Greetings. I'm Matt Matthews, one of the pastors here at First Pres in Champaign, and I'm happy to welcome you to our media ministry. Join us in person. We're located at the intersection of Church and State Streets, adjacent to Westside Park in downtown Champaign. Our traditional worship service is at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning, and on most of those Sundays, we offer French translation. Our contemporary services on Sunday begin at 11.15 a.m. When you come to First Pres, what you'll find, what I hope you'll find, is a community of people who support each other and who are passionate about making a difference in our community and beyond. You'll find relevant teaching for children and adults. We have at least a dozen Bible studies in small groups, including pickleball, that's right, pickleball, adult choir, a bell choir for all comers, and other programs and events designed to grow your faith and give you and me opportunities to serve. There's a place for you. I'm glad you tuned in. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the 10th year of the king Zedekiah of Judah, which was the 18th year of Nebuchadnezzar. At that time, the army of the king of Babylon was besieging Jerusalem. And the prophet Jeremiah was confined in the court of the guard that was the palace of the king of Judah, where King Zedekiah of Judah had confined him. Jeremiah said, the word of the Lord came to me. Hanamel, son of your uncle Shalom, is going to come to you and say, buy my field that is in Anathoth, for the right of redemption by purchase is yours. Then my cousin Hanamel came to me in the court of the guard in accordance with the word of the Lord and said to me, buy my field that is in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, for the right of possession and redemption is yours. Buy it for yourself. Then I knew this was the word of the Lord. And I bought the field at Anathoth from my cousin Hanamel and weighed out the money to him, 17 shekels of silver. I signed the deed, sealed it, got witnesses, and weighed the money on scales. Then I took the sealed deed of purchase containing the terms and conditions and the open copy, and I gave the deed of purchase to Baruch, son of Neriah, son of Messiah, in the presence of my cousin Hanamel, in the presence of the witnesses who signed the deed of purchase, and in the presence of all Judeans who were sitting in the court of the guard. In their presence, I charged Baruch, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, take these deeds, both this signed deed of purchase and this open deed, and put them in an earthenware jar in order that they may last for a long time. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, houses and fields and vineyards shall again be bought in this land. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If we hadn't read that this scripture was from Jeremiah, You might have thought I was going to reference some Tolkien land, the field of Anathoth. It has an exotic sound to it, a Middle-earth sound. But it's not from the Lord of the Rings or the Rings of Power. Anathoth is a small town near Jerusalem. And the field of Jerusalem, um, the field that Jeremiah buys, is a powerful symbol for the people of God, a symbol of hope, and encouragement in a time of suffering, of war and exile. It's a symbol that will lead them home. National symbols are powerful. They move people for good or bad, 
As we saw earlier this month with the Queen's funeral, whether we liked all the pomp and circumstance or not, it sent a strong message of transition to the world that her death has brought about an end to an era that we will not likely see anything like again in hundreds of years, if ever. Well, this isn't about the Queen. This we might need a little bit of backstory on Jeremiah and this field of Anathoth. At this point in the book of Jeremiah, the people of Judah of the southern kingdom were in the middle of the Babylonian invasion. Israel was the northern kingdom, and it had fallen 135 years before this. When we read it in scripture, it all seems kind of jumbled together, right? Squished. But unlike other prophets of his time, prophets who were speaking hope, Jeremiah was a miserable doomsday prophet, it seemed. Most of the first part of his life is just miserable. Jeremiah was adamant that the people of Judah were going to have to live in exile for a really long time. Nobody wants to hear that. Babylon is the place, folks, he said. It's going to be a long road ahead, and none of you are going to live to see the end of it. So dig in, build houses and live in them, plant gardens in this foreign land and eat what they produce, have family, seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you're going to find your welfare. Thus says the Lord via Jeremiah back in chapter 29. Jeremiah is in Jerusalem and the people of God are in exile in Babylon. Well, King Zedekiah, king of Judah, the southern kingdom, asked Jeremiah why he keeps prophesying such doom and gloom. How come um, he's, he keeps saying that Zedekiah will be taken captive by the Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar? Well, it does happen, tragically, in a very gruesome way. This is a war in Scripture. It's in the middle of a very real war, a war like Ukraine's war, a war and war, it, whether it's Ukraine or anywhere, war is gruesome, and exile is not fun. In fact, King Zedekiah isn't just asking why. King Zedekiah is very angry with Jeremiah and has him imprisoned in his own courtyard, Zedekiah's courtyard, so he can keep an eye on him. Jeremiah was decidedly unpopular with the king. But if you really listen to Jeremiah, you find that he's not entirely without hope. His prophecies of doom always include this silver lining, survival. He believed that God was going to use this exile of the people for good. Total transformations frequently happen in times of exile, in times of crisis moments. They don't have to be exile moments. Out of one's comfort zone moments. In order for the people to live, Jeremiah knew that they had to dig into foreign soil and to collaborate and to compromise with the Babylonians. Indeed, we know that the Babylonian exile became a critical critical to the identity of the Hebrew people after that time. So finally, we come to this passage, the 10th year of Zedekiah's reign. 
The prophet Jeremiah receives this message from God about the field of Anathoth. At the very last moment, before Jerusalem is captured entirely, the word of God comes to Jeremiah in this moment, in the, field, in the purchase of the field of Anathoth. Jeremiah buys the field in this town that is doomed when all his relatives are trying to sell out and get out of town. You know, you ask the question, why was Hannibal coming then? It wasn't just the word of God. He was leaving. Jeremiah sees that someday God will bring them back. So he buys the field. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, houses and fields and vineyards shall again be bought in this land, the land of Jerusalem. The field of Anathoth becomes a symbol of God's long-standing promise with God's people. What a risky thing that Jeremiah is doing, investing in something that he might not ever see again. But Jeremiah had been waiting on the Lord. He had been listening for something that would give him the hope to share. People of God, sometimes we have to wait upon the Lord, wait upon the Lord, wait upon the Lord, as the song goes. Jeremiah was waiting for something to indicate to him that God meant for the people to come back to this land one day down the road. When all hope is over, Jeremiah hears God's word and buys the field. Now the prophet of doom had a word of hope to give to the people. Hope is risky. Hope is very risky. I don't like risks. I don't like taking risks. But risk is what we do when we are in hard times. Recently, the Environmental Committee heard um, Catherine Hayhoe speak during the Faith in Place Summit. Catherine Hayhoe is a Canadian atmospheric scientist, professor of public policy and public law at Texas Tech University Department of Political Science. And she's the chief scientist in the Nature Conservancy. She's a modern-day prophet who speaks passionately and factually about climate change. She was speaking about the realities of climate change to us at the summit and talked about how not to get bogged down in the doom. She talked about hope. She talked about active hope. Quoting from Joanna Macy and Dr. Chris Johnston in their book, Active Hope, How to Face the Mess We're In Without Going Crazy, Catherine told us that active hope is a practice. Like Tai Chi or gardening, it is something we do rather than something we have. First, we take its clear view of reality. Second, we identify what we hope for. And third, we take steps to move ourselves or our attention in that direction rather than weighing our change and proceeding only when we feel hopeful. We focus our intention and we let that be the guide. I think Jeremiah had the kind of active hope that Catherine Hayhoe and Dr. Macy and Dr. Johnston talked about. Once Jeremiah had received the message from God, he identified the direction that God was leading them. I was struck how much this definition of active hope that Catherine Hayhoe described in the face of our climate doom is a critical part of the whole notion of stewardship itself. Active hope is 
what the people of God do. We look at the world around us in whatever devastation it presents itself, and we identify what we hope for. And I will add from this passage in Jeremiah that part of identifying that hope includes God's saving promise as it has been passed down throughout the ages. Jeremiah was waiting upon the word of the Lord. He wanted the people to come back to the land of his people, a land that God had promised them. In that promise, Jeremiah identified what he hoped for in the symbol of the field. He saw the word of God when it was in front of him, as things do for prophets. We're never quite sure how that really happens for prophets. That's another sermon. (laughs) But how do you know it's the word of God? For Catherine Hayhoe, it's being realistic with the facts that we have. And I think Jeremiah was a realistic prophet. He waited for the facts that he had. Then Jeremiah did the third thing. He exercised active hope. He could only buy the field as a symbol for the people. But that symbol over time became a reality. They came back from exile. They came back from Babylon eventually. You see, we move toward the place we want to go, not away from it. We let the intention guide us. In climate change, we start acting to clean up the mess in whatever little way we can. We start moving forward. If we can recycle, great. If we can buy solar panels, great. If we can have a hybrid car, great. If we can institute laws that limit our carbon footprint, great. We can do what we can do, even if it's picking up trash, one step at a time. We move toward the goal. In climate change, the goal is to clean up whatever human beings messed up. In any kind of stewardship endeavor, whether it be caring for this building or us or determining where our mission dollars go, first we wait upon the Lord and then we exercise this active hope. What is our field of Anathoth? What is our hope? What's God's words to us, to our session? This is the stewardship question in front of us today and for the season ahead of us. Is it children? Then we baptize and we educate in whatever way we find available to us. Is it neighbors? Then we reach out and we get our mission partners to help us like salt and light. And we ask who are our neighbors and what do they need? And how do we give to that need realistically, respectfully, and responsibly? Is it our aging members? Then we spend extra time and focus our mission budget for those ministries of care and discipleship that feed one another across the lifespan. Is it God's great earth? Then we find one or two or three things that will make a difference to change what we do to make it better. We did not read from the gospel this morning, but there is good news here nonetheless. God's saving activity is present throughout the whole of scripture, culminating in the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are God's people. We celebrate that claim in our baptism. 
The very person of Jesus Christ is a powerful symbol of hope for us. We can be assured because of his life and witness to us that when exile seems the only thing left, when darkness is all around us, even when we are at the very point of death and after, new life will come again. Whether it is in the promise of a field or the promise of eternal life, God's saving grace is available to us. That is the hope. And as God's people, we move from the, toward the certainty of that hope actively, realistically, intentionally, step by step, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit, which goes with us to remind us of the power of love in our lives this day and forevermore. Amen. Thank you for joining this podcast of First Presbyterian Church Champaign. Visit us at our campus at the intersection of Church and State Streets in downtown Champaign. And for more information, visit us online at www.firstpres.church. Have a great week.